Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Apple, aka Uncle Buck. My name is Justin. Uh, I got a question though, really, like off the bat. Oh boy, I was uh, I was up in the mountains uh, this past week. Um, you know, the power was out here, so I was like, let's just go up to the mountains where we don't need power. You like know? like a mortal, yeah. like like at the heart of winter, like mountains like that. Yeah, you know, well, you know, more like jagged rolling hills, right? Okay. So I'm playing a uh, rolling rock. I'm playing gin rummy with my girl, and uh, and I notice on the, on the Joker card it says the Ace of Spades is a trademark of Bicycle Card Company, huh. mm. and the Joker is also a trademark of Bicycle Card Company. So I'm wondering, do you think like Motorhead had some sort of fucking problem with the Bicycle Card Company? Are you implying that the Bicycle Card Company? Is much like the Umbrella Company and Resident Evil, and they and Motorhead and the Batman franchise are yeah. part of some sort of sinister. They're just the fingers of the com- of of the company. I also Jesus. think like some maybe somebody, probably the COO of Bicycle uh, Playing Cards, actually wrote uh, most Motorhead riffs. Allegedly, just a thought. Yeah, you need to clear your mind when you spend time with your lady friend because this. The, I if, if I was in a if I was up in the mountains with a, with a woman, I probably wouldn't be playing cards or thinking about conspiracies. Listen, mm-hmm. um, that's how heavy it you, was. Yeah, you reeled us out pretty far on this one, man. I, I'm not sure where to go. So, how you guys doing? So, Tom, how was your weekend? <laughs> well, uh, we haven't recorded in a week because of this uh, uh, Isaiah. Right, that was the name Asais. of Asais. Excuse me, it's, it's, it's yeah. just a fucking storm. I don't go, I don't deal with them names. We well, just have the I yeah. I've, been, I've been doing a lot of catch up since. Then, okay, but yeah, it's, it's, both it's, both of your guys' power was out. Yes, yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. yeah, for the listeners. So the heavy hole um, uh, tech team was down to Big Will and his Walkman for the duration of that storm. It was pretty scary. Right. So if you haven't received your tapes yet, uh, you can blame them on the postal service, which is also dealing with its own. Uh, uh, situation at the moment. Yes, but yeah, no, I've been catching up because I uh, wasn't able to work, um, wasn't able to cut the podcast. Um, shout out to Sharon from Durkada, whose episode came out later than expected because of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, that was a great interview. I'm sorry you didn't get it on Friday, everyone. Um, but aside from that, I'm doing pretty well. I got to put my feet up for a few days and pretend work didn't exist amazing all right yeah, yeah. uh representing um both sides of the north shore of long island with your connecticut and long island themed vomit fourth shirt yes shout out to the boys mm-hmm. hugged by the sound there you go yeah all their fucking merch is sold out of Megastop. why can't i order merch from Megastop, bro these kids see it on instagram and it's gone that's I'm the problem. You wait you want till to talk it's on conspiracies, Instagram. Justin. Like, you know, what, what the fuck, man? Well, uh, Nike has a hand in that. I think Nike uh, is, is the umbrella to Magastomp. And you know what they did with the Jordans, too, right? Was they limited the releases and then they make people fight and stab each other uh, over sneakers. I, I don't even want mm. look, You see what's on my feet right now. Barely anything at all. I I'm mean, hot, I, right? I'm just hot right now. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I can't with the with the special sneakers and all that stuff, the fucking man. Fucking truth is out there, brother. So. Uh, but, you know, you just. I have a, um, a humble. And a bit of a sad segue that you just um, started up for me. Um, you know, you talk about the sneakers, the, the Air Jordan. I'm not from the Air Jordan era of hip hop. Mm. Uh, I'm from the the, uh, the Adidas with no laces generation. Yeah, dude, my Adidas. Uh, I was yeah, and I was I was doing the research today. I was looking up uh, you know some stuff about our guests, some factoids, checking the Patreon, and I got a little news alert. I checked the old YouTube for the video, man. They finally arrested two guys in the murder of Jam Master Jay. Uh, from Run DMC, and they, and they and it's 18 years later, Holy and that shit. conked me over the head like a sledgehammer. That's been 18 years. I remember 
I was working at Molenhoff's Nursery in Huntington Station there, which is now a park. Um, it was like a farm. And there was actually a truck driver coming in from Queens with a delivery, and I was unloading the truck, and he told us. And I'll never forget that day. And it's just, it was amazing to me this afternoon. I was like, holy shit. And, you know, people could look it up. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to talk about the allegedly's and what they're saying about Jam Master Jay and what he was involved in, but um, just really a shame. Uh, such a tragedy, man. It, and, 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 you know, I felt like it was in a weird way relevant because our guest tonight is a New York City-centric artist uh, and one that kind of exposes the dark side of what goes on in New York City. And, um, you know, it just ties right in, man. I was really just... I spent the afternoon listening to a little bit of Run DMC and posted something on our social media, man. Because, you know, I, everybody knows I'm death metal to, to, to the core. That's my heart. But I grew up in, uh, you know, suburban Long Island outside of New York City in the 80s and 90s. And Run DMC is kind of a universal thing to a lot of people of my generation. And just shout to Queens on that, man. And rest in peace to him and to all the uh, the great entertainers we've lost, man. It's... Just a just a, a shame, man. It really it really struck me as kind of in a way relevant to this interview that we're about to give with uh, another New York City artist. Who's um, that now? All three members of Imperial Triumphant. Uh, another three piece. Uh, another New York City adjacent three piece making music. Uh, in all seriousness, man. So it's it's all it's all relevant. And uh, you know, rest in peace to Jam Master Jay and to all the uh, New York City um, artists that we've lost over the years. And right now, we're going to give you our interview with Imperial Triumphant, which is going to be very New York City-centric. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, with me, as always, Justin and Tom. And tonight, Hi. we're lucky enough to be joined by all three members of Imperial Triumphant, uh, Kenny, Steve, and Zach. How you doing, guys? Doing well. Great, Hi. man. Hey, man. Great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, man! Thanks, thanks a lot for, uh, for for being on the show, man. We we've been cracking each other up for the last few minutes and talking back and forth, man. That's why it sounds a little crazy when we come in right now. But um, <laughs> it's great that we were able to set this up. I've known these guys from the the local New York metal scene for a while, and I've kind of been able I've been lucky enough to to watch their ascendance in the underground metal scene these last several years. Um, and I'm glad we could finally work it out and get you guys on the program. That being said. Uh, you know, the listeners know we normally do like one guest at a time, but tonight we got the whole band in, which we rarely do, and we'll acknowledge that. So instead of doing like a, each member of the band, or, you know, did your dad play guitar in the 60s or something like that, maybe we'll just try to dissect Imperial Triumphant. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll use this as an as a open door to you guys and maybe try to wrangle one of you in in the future. But I just want to try to go back, because Imperial Triumphant's got a lot going on. I spent the whole weekend obsessing over it and... You know, doing your Metallum and your Discogs, and I paid five hundred dollars for a cassette on on eBay. It was crazy what happened. Um, but you know, I I want to talk about Imperial. I got you guys here, uh, and I know it's everyone knows New York City is the deal with you guys. It's it, there's a there's a tie in to the city, the energy of the city, the soul of the city. And Zach, if I'm not mistaken, you you seem to be the like the founding member, maybe the one who had this spark initially with the band, right? Correct. So are you from New York City originally? 
Yeah, I'm from Manhattan. Okay, and, and when does the idea for a band about New York City and trying to, um, I, I guess, reach a point of, of like that, that black metal transcendence, but with New York City energy, when does that start in your head? That comes around, I'd say maybe 2014 or so, I was playing a session guitar for this folk artist and her manager is this really like respected um, booking agent named uh, Tim Borer. And he was talking to me after the show and he's I'm telling him about my band and he's going, uh, you know, what is your band about? I'm completely don't have an answer for this guy. I'm like really nervous. And I got really embarrassed because I was like, I don't know, we're just a black metal band. We sing about death or whatever, you know, like. And then I realized uh, I should probably have an answer. I should probably figure out what, why I'm doing this band, why does it exist, what's important to me, not just, you know, filling in the cracks with black metal tropes. So I started thinking a lot about it and looking up at all these skyscrapers, you know, especially the ones in Midtown that are very Art Deco. And it all kind of started falling together like, we should, I should try to make this something of a concept in the same way that Immortal, one of my favorite bands, brought the idea of, you know, winter into metal and made that cool. Uh, you know, otherwise it's just a season. They made it like an actual, <laughs> they made it like a whole thing. That uh, tons of bands now, they sing about the cold. And it comes from a place that's true to them because they're from, you know, the frozen north. And so I was just trying to do something similar with just like, I have, I have Art Deco in New York at my disposal. And early on, that term Art Deco comes out. I've heard it come up in another interview. Um, I'm going to play the blue collar card here. I don't know what Art Deco really means in relevance to, to art and what that is as a movement. And I'm sure there's blue collar guys who do. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, I'm just saying, maybe you could explain it uh, in relevance to metal and to what your band um, portrays and represents. What is the Art Deco movement and how does that affect like New York City and your perception of it? Well, I mean, Art Deco movement was a, a design movement, architectural movement that grew up in the early part of the 20th century, it, you know, specifically in New York City, uh, where it got famous. Yeah, um, especially American Art Deco. Yeah, but but it's but it's really it it really harkens back to like a lot of esoteric circles and it's clearly connected to like ancient Egypt and design from that kind of time. And so the way it's used in New York is it's, it's, it's obviously magnificent looking like if you look at the Chrysler building, it looks fucking sick, right? You know, but it's also connected to probably a shit ton of evil and, you know, control and big power and, so that's really what the Art Deco movement is, you know. That's that, no, that, that that's that's interesting, man, and um, uh, it probably ties in with a lot of things I wouldn't even uh, you know think initially. Now, uh, I don't want to scatter about too much, but this also goes in with you say the beginnings of the band. You brought up Immortal, and uh, going back to that, I reviewed the first Imperial Triumphant demo. Not to say 
um, its derivative of the second wave Nordic bands at all. There, there's already on in the most derivative. <laughs> well, in the first recording, there's there's already you know traces of different instrumentation. You're experimenting um, with types of, of uh, chords and, and types of chord progressions that maybe you wouldn't find in that music. There's obviously an immortal tie-in with some of the riffing because that I loved personally. I thought you know I always thought it was great. And listening to it again today, after several years in hindsight, I picked up on that. I was going to ask you about that. Um, and I've, I've always been fascinated with the way the band explores, like you said, like, you know, you look at these second wave bands and they were about the winter. Um, a lot of them ended up being more about like the, the pagan history of where they're from and that sort of thing. You're from Manhattan. You're from New York City. Uh, I've often thought myself, you know, I, I respect um, uh, how, how much integrity those bands have to, to make, uh, you know, something so close to their heart. How could I do something about where I'm from and what I'm about without being derivative of them? Because I'm not from Norway or Sweden or any place like that. Exactly. Yeah. That's so exact same mentality. And you, when you do something that's true to yourself, it's automatically 100% more authentic. And the listeners pick up on that. They realize that this is a, coming from a real place. It's not just you know some band trying to sound like from an, another, a band, another band. And I think that's... You know, it's not the only path you have, but it's for us. It works really well, really yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, if we if we were to sing about fjords, that wouldn't really make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Fjord to us is the Hudson River. You know what I mean? The well, Central Park Elves and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, yes. No, it's interesting how you tap into that. Like, yes, you are from Manhattan, but also adopting that specifically the Art Deco thing, like the Fritz Lang. It seems natural. Like, that doesn't seem contrived as well. So on top of, like, the location being genuine to you guys, like, it's very well researched. Well, yeah, because it's also all tying into the history of New York, which, you know, is riddled with a lot of interesting stuff, like 1920s, you know, Fritz Lang kind of stuff, 30s Art Art Deco, and, you know, up to uh, 80s Art Rock and 60s Jazz and all this kind of stuff, it's all part of our history. Yeah, with nukes, the Manhattan Project, nuclear war, atomic <laughs> it's, all, I mean, it's, all, it's all going on in, in NYC, right? The Federal yes. Reserve, 33 Liberty, you know, it's crazy what's going on here. The ball of Wall Street? Yeah, the big, the giant bull of Wall Street, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff, I, I, you know, I've, I've looked into some of what you talked about. You talk about the Manhattan Project, um, and then you, you know that kind of ties in with things that happen in East Long Island, that I've I've talked about in like Buckshot Facelift and some of our stuff, man. And um, yeah, like the Camp, Montauk, exact Camp Hero, yeah. the pyramids, yeah, on your underground pyramids, <laughs> underground, yeah, Montauk pyramids. That's what, yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. I love the whole art behind it. I mean, like they're like in hardcore uh, bands from from New York, a lot of people sing about what it's like growing up. You know, like the gritty streets and like and and almost like that hip hop style, like tough life. Of uh, and grit of the city, um, I love the the whole magic element um, behind it that you kind of bring to it. Uh, like you said, the history. You know, this is just another jerk off of you guys right now. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's very interesting. It's fun to follow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, on on that note, something I heard you guys say in a previous interview is that when you went over to Europe, um, some Russian fans in particular said they identified with the sound of the band, even though it was from such um, like a, a completely different climate and, and area, do you think that maybe there's something about uh, urban life and life in city and the, the living organism that is a city that is universal in the human experience? There's similar 
depths, there's similar situations, and there's, you know, people from a, a big metropolitan area all over the world might be able to identify with something in, in Imperial Triumphant. Do you think that maybe you've tapped into something greater than New York City with that? Yeah, 100%. I, we're not trying to be exclusive at all. You know, we're not trying to say that only people that have been to New York can understand our music. Like, if you've ever been in the stress of a major metropolitan area, then you can start to understand, you know, our music a little better. Yeah, totally. You guys been to L.A.? Oh, yeah, once. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could, you could do it there, too, you know? Like, <laughs> that might be a much darker back. album. Dude, not to bring up the Blade movies again on the podcast, but L.A., I really felt like I was in some vampire alternate reality of the East Coast. Like, yeah, I, felt like, I felt like New York, but vampires are real, and it's hot. Like, that's, that was my impression of L.A. And the brief, I was only there a little bit. I'm not going to front. I'm sure there's great it's, people and great things out there. It's a city of failure, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I've never been, so I still, like, have the, it's just the crow. That's what I think. That was my it's impression when I was uh, in Berlin. I went to Berlin for like a week just partying, and it was like, it just felt like I was just nervous everywhere I went, just like a Blade movie, you know, they go to like all these creepy nightclubs, and it's just like intense music playing. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, Blade is definitely one of the uh, heavy hole favorites, so uh, we all yeah, know that. Yeah, listen, be, like we already brought up the Crow City of Angels and Blade. Let's let's put the brakes on this right now, guys. We got to talk about Imperial Triumphant a little bit tonight. Yo, yo. Real quick, getting getting back to the connection of cities, though, for, for real, because you, because you were talking about Russia, and actually, mm-hmm. we, we were just talking about this today. Like when we were in Moscow, energetically, you guys would agree with me, right? Like energetically, the connection with the NYC vibe was very strong, very similar. Like a lot of annoying people and <laughs> things that look like shit, a lot of garbage. You know, it, it was very similar. You it's know what dirty. I mean? like, Dirty, like New York, man. Like it was, it was dirty. Yeah, it got that real shithole vibe. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I would say it might be universal. Yeah, like totally. I don't know. Maybe something that you know, if, if we do our history, something that it's not even, um, uh, you know, not even unique to the 20th century. If we go back in oh, human history, oh, if you read, um, oh, definitely not. I forget the author. This is a book called Rubicon, and it kind of just uh, is a detailed report of like. Uh, you know, pre-Republic Rome, ancient Rome, and it's. Uh, I was reading it, and I was just. They're describing it, like walking into ancient Rome and how it just smells like shit and piss and there's trash everywhere. And I was like, "Oh, this sounds pretty familiar." <laughs> it's like driving over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still got that today, except it has Wi-Fi. Oh man. Um, well, you know, I, I had I do have questions about um, you know your music and your releases. But while we're on this New York City thing, something I wanted to touch on is obviously uh, New York City has seen some major changes um, and been dealt some some blows this year with current events. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, and you know, I'm not asking you guys to be the spokespersons for New York City or for metal or anything, but with the nature of your band and the way you're kind of tuned into the vibe of New York City, would you say that you saw um, anything anything coming? Any any of any of the the breakdown coming? Um, would you say that maybe a year or two ago you wouldn't be surprised to see where we're at today with certain situations? And maybe you could also comment on the New York City music scene. Well, I mean. I definitely would say that it's not surprising 
the things that have happened in New York. It's surprising in the scale of, the, of what's happened at this point, you know, but it, it's not necessarily a surprise in a place like this that things would break down or that people would react a certain way or behave a certain way to things around them that are beyond their control, you know? Lots of people, very densely populated, right? Um, as far as, uh, you know, some people have asked us about the album, like predicting certain things. Yeah, yeah, a lot of questions. But, but clearly, you know, we, we don't know the future, you know, and the album was conceived of and created well before this happened. But a lot of that does happen, like, these things we're seeing about come to light. Yeah, because I don't think the things that we're talking about as far as like a dystopian type of vibe or a totalitarian vibe or even just like a future is really, has not away. ever been relevant. It's always been relevant. Or it's not even that far away, you know? It's not even new. It's not new. Yeah. So we, people have been here many times before. We'll, as long as human beings are human beings, we'll keep coming back to these points in time and history until we actually figure out a different way of being. But until then, it's this will be the course, and there'll be the pendulum swinging over here this way and hemming and hawing and how we got through it, and then we'll, something will happen. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, or we might just annihilate ourselves completely. Yeah. You know, like. Which I guess probably also might not be the first time either. I mean, <laughs> what might know? Yeah, well, who knows? And the New York music scene? Wild scene, man. Great scene. <laughs> One of my favorite bands is our official brain. Hey, yeah, seen we him, seen him so many times. Yeah, would <laughs> absolutely recommend any of these listeners go see him any chance you get. It's one of the best death metal shows. Period. The the only people who listen to the podcast are are people who like want, are waiting for the third artificial brain out. Like, Will, what's going on? So they, <laughs> they all they all know. But no, thank you, man. And and all jokes aside, we definitely had some good times. Um, uh, the last several years uh, playing shows together and being part of the local scene, St. Vitus, um, you know, hope to get back to more productive times uh, with the music scene. Um, and, and, yeah, I guess all I was saying is, you know, like, you know, like lyrically and aesthetically, some of the it seems like you guys maybe were paying attention to things uh, that hit some people by surprise this year um, and maybe things that people were surprised at. But you guys have kind of been all along, um, you know, t tapped into New York City like that. That's all I was hinting at. And I guess kind of relevant to the conversation in a scary, you know, you talk about history, talk about society in the past. Um, one thing I, I, I really, that has always struck me through the years is the cover of the Goliath EP. Hell with yeah. the elephant um, kind of like being used as an executioner's tool to crush someone's head. From what I can make of the picture, could you guys that's maybe like, go into the... That's 100% it. Yeah, like, like, could you go into the, the context of the picture where you found it and if, if you're aware of the historical context of it? I mean, this is going to sound a bit lame, but it's literally like just a, a woodcut that I found online. I didn't, you know, it probably, hopefully I'm not going to get in trouble for it, but... Sorry, we'll cut <laughs> this out if you want. <laughs> no, I was just, it's like, it's, uh, it's a woodcut of, yeah, like... Um, I think maybe a Persian executioner, um, one of those, you know, ancient uh, empire uh, like way of executing prisoners and it was just death by elephant and they would just train an elephant to crush the head and huh. seems just like the dopest album cover. <laughs> it, yeah. It's striking, man. And in a way that sets it apart from a lot of, um, you know, contemporary gore grind and black metal and stuff. It's, you know, I, I always really, 
And uh, I did, you know, I just had to ask you guys about that. It's one of those album oh, covers. Thank that's, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know, it definitely set it apart. And um, you know, you guys have kind of had. You have a long catalog. You have a lot of releases. And there's been um, a few members through the years before you kind of settled onto this core trio that you seem to be at um, at this stage in the game. I was wondering maybe if you could speak a little bit to two guys we know very well, um, Eric Malav uh, or Malave of um, Piron and Alex Cohen, um, you know, formerly of Piron and of like every other band uh, in, in New York City. <laughs> Just maybe like, you know, what it was like working with those guys and what they've contributed. I'm sure some listeners of the show are familiar with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, was. I met Galax Cohen when I was 15. We did a high school talent show together, where okay. we played the trooper. It was sick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's just—he's been great. He's an unbelievable player, and I would not have met Kenny Grahowski without him. And like, yeah, that dude is seriously going to be, you know, written down in the annals of history as one of the most you know, intense technical drummers of, of all time. And I think uh, Eric Malay was just, the moment I met him, he was such a bro. Really good dude. Real great awesome. guy. Yeah. Eric, Eric's a great guy. Yeah, and on top of that, he's just got insane bass chops. Great so musician, yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's real kind of kindred spirit. I really, uh, yeah, we used to, you know, hang out a lot and play a lot of music together. and. Even it's just great to see him, you know, at uh, Saint Vitus at shows and stuff. Great dude. Yeah, um, yeah, good dude. And I, you know, I just want to acknowledge that having gone back through the discography this weekend, and you know, bringing up that Goliath EP again. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first time that you see both Kenny um, and Kenny. Uh, respectfully, it's uh, Kenny Grakowski. I mean, Grahowski is fine. Okay. Technically, you're supposed to say Grahowski, but I mean, we're in the states; like, nobody's going to say it like that. Oh, That's okay. how they say Poland. Yeah. All right. All right. Respect for Kenny Grahowski. Um, Grahowski's fine. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, either way, that that Goliath EP is the first time that we see both Kenny and Alex on drums, <laughs> and um, I think that also ended up being the case on um, the the Abyssal Gods full length, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And the Allstars record. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so maybe yeah. you, want, you want to talk about that because a lot of you know if you see that usually two drummers on one record it means someone's on the way in and someone's on the way out. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm you know I'm just being real and uh, respectfully, but you know this time it seems like more it was like a longer transitional like era of the band where you had these two guys um, providing percussion and maybe also talk about how it's not all just a conventional drum kit. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, part of that was out of necessity because at that time too, like when, when Alex and Zach kind of approached the idea of doing the, the Goliath EP, at that time, like I had just started getting really involved with Zorn and getting really involved with Secret Chiefs 3 and a few other bands. So my time wasn't as open as it was like later on as things kind of transitioned into the trio as we have it today with the three of us. You know, at that point, we were even, some of those shows, when I was on it, it would just be just myself and, and Malave and Zach, or myself and Alex and Malave and Zach. You know, it was always this kind of collaborative thing, and usually sticking to, like, whatever songs we did, like on Abyssal or Goliath, we would stick to our songs, because obviously we wrote our parts, it would make the most sense, and it kind of was a concept that worked for a while, but... It, it then at, over time it just has sort of things tour more. yeah and when it comes to touring and just 
the practicality of gigging and availability, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be able to kind of sustain itself, you know? That, that's interesting. So at that time, were you guys like, you know, you, you had like a little bit of a collaborative lineup, depending on what show were you all, and you were wearing the costumes, right? So it kind of didn't matter, uh, right? Costumes. Yeah. Just like regular clothes. Okay. When did you introduce the masks and the, the stage gear then? I think it was like, I mean, we did that one show with you guys at Transpicos. It was like five years ago. Like yeah. Five years ago. 2015. Yeah. That yeah. I remember because we were wearing the outfits, but Alex wasn't. So he sat in for a couple tunes and he just wasn't cloaked <laughs> up. <laughs> Weren't the masks, I think, solid black at that point, right? Oh, yeah. Where there was one tour we did on the West Coast where they were like solid black because we didn't have time to gold leaf them. I can remember the Transpicos, they were gold. I Which was were... dumb because the, in a dark club with a hood on, you don't need like, a black <laughs> mask. Extra sick. It's extra cold. <laughs> But I, I believe the Transpico show was was the gold masks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were gold, I think. Yeah. But without the without the, um, the crowns. Yeah, we right. didn't have any we of that. Like we didn't have the just the headdress. Just, yeah, just exactly. the, didn't have the yeah. the evolution of the mask. It's still yeah. evolving. That was a fucking savage show, man. That, that was, was great. a great show with Plebeian. Great. Top, top yeah. And best shows yeah. ever played. Yeah, Plebeian That's Grandstand, Pieron, cool. Artificial Brain, and Imperial Triumphant, right? Yeah, the legendary lineup. Yeah, that was a good good memory, man. Yeah, a lot of like I was saying before, a lot of good memories of you guys. I'm trying, I'm trying to trick the listeners into thinking I never met you guys, and we're just doing an interview. <laughs> um, it's a, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. In a few minutes, it's all going to be a squash anyway. If they heard vile luxury, um, we'll, we'll talk about that. But but anyway. Um, that uh, and I'm going to pronounce it different. I'm going to pronounce it more dirty than you got the uh, Inceste EP, an uh, Incest EP. I, you know, however you say it. that. Incest. That's the first time that Steve that you show up, right? Uh, as far as on the recordings, yes. Okay, all right. So, you want to just talk about your role in the band and how it might not necessarily just like start with that recording? Well, I actually joined the band for a tour because the one and only time I answered a Craigslist ad for something musical in my life was this ad that Zach posted. <laughs> and a friend of mine sent to me because I had just started playing this a few months earlier and was like, dude, you should try to join this band. Maybe you'll really learn how to play. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fuck it. I should jump in the fire. And then I answered his ad. And then next thing I know, we're going on this crazy yeah, we did a bunch of tours. Yeah, we did a bunch of tours. Yeah, and then we did a whole bunch of tours before we actually recorded that EP. So that's kind of how I got started in the band. Wow. Okay, you get bro- you kind of get broken in on the road. That's a good way to, to you know, yeah. start, start in a band before you record, yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I can just say that the moment I started playing with him, it was just like a perfect fit. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was cool. like very, you know, when you have that chemistry, it's just you feel it. You're like, okay, this is going to be... Uh, this is gonna make my life easier. <laughs> well, yeah, and we were jiving about like ideas and things already too. Like, you know, it was a good creative zone. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. You know, having watched the band over the years, it definitely seems, um, with all due respect to all the past music. You know, we just talked about Eric and Alex, and and there's been a lot of session musicians and different people that have collaborated on on all the recordings. And with all due respect to them, though. Um, it seems like this trio kind of, you know, you guys have kind of settled in here 
and you're able to really present something effective live as a trio despite having such um, layered albums. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit and how you approach, um, you know, setting up to play live and to go on tour uh, and stripping down the songs for that element, so to speak? I mean, in a way, it's it's not that, well, like with a lot of the music that we've written, like for considering like, let's say Vile and Alphaville, a lot of the songs like, like yes, they'll have a lot of layering or orchestration or things that happen in the studio, ideas or sonic timbres that we want to have in there to create the sonic experience of an album, the sonic artwork kind of thing. But all the songs are written in the perspective of knowing there's gonna be a point where it's just gonna be the three of us with some drums and a bass and guitar. How are we gonna do this live? So we always keep in mind that we have to be able to recreate the experience live in a musical way, in a substantive sort of way. And also the way we interact with one another, the way we all play, which I think now people are kind of starting to begin to realize is what the jazz is. It's not adding horns, it's not putting some organ or some piano. The jazz is how the three of us play together, which is also something that's a little bit uncommon in the metal world. Like a lot of times that, you know, I mean, you know, I've been in a bunch of bands and a lot of those other bands, you know, they may be expressive, but there's a drum part there are specific things you got to play, and if you deviate, you could throw off the whole song. You could throw off key sections of a song, as what you would expect from most typical metal bands. But the way we arrange our music, we leave a lot of room for us to always be able to interpret on the spot what we're doing. So that really allows a more magical sort of experience to sort of take place live, where it's like, okay, we don't got a seven-piece brass, we don't got a church organ, we don't got a choir. But we got some of these sounds in sample form that Steve can fly in, and the rest is up to us. And the sounds that we create together, how we play together, how we sort of try to embody all those elements without them necessarily being there. And that essentially is the jazz. We actually hear a lot from fans telling us that their live show is actually more intense than the album, which is like, Kind of cool. I, I just want to—I'll quote Trace Ruins here because he—he uh, <laughs> he produced Alphaville uh, with Austin Collin, and he said something that stuck with me. It was so brilliant. He said, "All the shit that we're putting on the album in the studio is to make up for for the live experience." And I never thought about it that way. I used to think about it in the reverse, like trying to recreate the album live, you know. And, and so I feel like that really makes a lot of sense if you switch it around and think about it that way, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's one of the heaviest things I've ever heard. That's yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, like, it, I was just like, that's fucking exactly what it is. Holy wow. shit. Well, shout to him and then through you guys, shout to you guys for that because, yeah, like Justin just took the words out of my mouth. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have put it as cool as Justin said it. I would have said it like a dork. But... <laughs> but yeah, it kind of like, it, it, no, it added like, you're right, like, um, the studio, I've always had more of a polarized view of it, like, maybe, me, you know, maybe we shouldn't do stuff in the studio, we can't pull off live, uh, which is one school of thought, but at the same time, it's a little close-minded to think like that, because you are compensating in the, in the recording process for not being there in someone's face, uh, which I, as a front man, have to really consider now, man, so you guys just gave me something to lose sleep over, thanks. <laughs> but, but no, seriously though, I, I appreciate that that thought, man. That's interesting. Well, um, there's never been, there's never been a shortage of sound at an artificial brain show, man. That's oh, for sure. 
Yeah. Heavy band. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Will's gonna try and figure out yeah. what the Sonic version is of, uh, of got lighted goggles. Yeah. Right what's now. what's the Sonic version of me hugging Paulo and <laughs> sweating all over like some some poor front row people? Um, okay. Uh, never mind. Well, well, moving past that. Um, yeah, actually, let's start the podcast over. So let's talk about Artificial Brain's new album. <laughs> <laughs> never coming out. Never coming out. It's just in our imagination, man. No, we're we're um, you know, we're on the we're on the list. We're on the waiting list uh, for Colin. You know, as soon as everything is uh, legal and legit, and we can we can make moves. The album is there. You know, it's it's in but, it's in my notebook. It's in those guys' hands on the guitar. It's you know, it's written. It's it's to the, the point now where we've you know. We fine fine tuned it, you know what I mean. But we're just waiting, man. You know, only a ripper. One of those yeah. things. We're going back to Colin. I'll tell you that much. But um, yeah. Colin rules. We love Colin. But yeah. you guys, you guys didn't even see me spin you around on my Segway. Uh, speaking of Colin Marston, you guys have worked with him a lot over the years. <laughs> see, uh, I did it to him. Want to talk that brain shit? Go somewhere else. Uh, well, that you got to go to Patreon to hear about artificial brain. Um, <laughs> Now you guys. Now you mentioned uh, working with Colin before. Uh, I'm gonna admit a, a fault in my notes. When's the first time you started working with Colin at Menegroff? It was on the first like Obeisance EP that we did. Like I was 19 years old. It was I want to say it's, yeah, like 2009. Probably we started tracking with him, and it was just a guy that the bass player at the time had found online. He was I think this guy's gonna be great. Like he's got a pretty good pedigree. <laughs> And then, and then I was just like, I was like, oh, we've never recorded at an actual metal studio before. This is incredible. This guy's unreal. But as we kind of grow and he sees us growing, he's able to like, um, um, really kind of sculpt us, and he really understands what we're trying to do, and it really, uh, yeah, it really established like a really strong relationship with the guy. Uh, yeah, as have many local musicians over the years, um, you know, myself included. We're not going to go back to the brain talk, but I, I did want to get your guys' perspective on that because it's, it's true, man. People, like, kind of go to Colin and stick with Colin. You know, he's, he's able to work with you on your vision, and, you know, that's, that's the bottom line with that. Um, now, you mentioned touring, and we talked. I'm a little scattered here. I have, I have a lot of notes for you guys. I have a lot of questions I wanted to ask you guys, like, where did Zach go? No, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of Skype, man. We know when people are getting up to pee. Uh, but, but it's funny because Tom was talking about that before the interview, man. So we're just lucky that you guys broke the seal on somebody bouncing for a minute. Um, I've been hoping it. So. Yeah, it's, it's part of life nowadays. But maybe hey, you guys I'll, could... I'll say, one, I'll say one more thing about Colin while, while since Zach broke the seal here. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that's really cool about Colin is the environment that he creates in the studio as as will i'm sure you you'll agree with it's just he creates a really cool like laid-back environment where you can really be creative and like throw ideas around and and really make a, a record you know like actually make an album punctuation <laughs> that was perfect, perfect. We, that should be the that should be the commercial for Colin with the toilet flushing. It. <laughs> he would love that. He'll produce it. Yep. You, you were the butt end yeah. of a great joke. Uh, um, <laughs> but all right. Um, uh, seriously, getting back, I have I have a couple of questions, man. And you know, you brought up the masks. You brought up touring. I want to know though, um, touring with the masks and the gear. Um, does it get treacherous? Does the stuff get dirty and smelly? 
Uh, have there ever been weird situations where the cops are going through your gear at the border and they're like, why you got this weird gold mask? Like, like tell, us, tell us a little bit about taking that act on the road. The airports are always, they always <laughs> have to check the mask every single time. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're always like... They usually like it. They like it. Yeah, one guy was like, are you a, are you a member of Ghost? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you should have just go. You should have went with it. <laughs> maybe you would have got. Sure, maybe yeah, they would have bumped you up to first class. Through. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Take a free Miller Lite, please. For being in okay. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's just an extra pain in the ass because it's an extra thing you got to worry about, and you got to yeah. We have to clean them every once in a while because they do start to get. You mean gross. every day? <laughs> yeah, every day every we once clean in a while. Them. They get pretty gross, and uh, <laughs> but you know it's it's. It's part of the show, and it's something that we have, you know, we really give a shit about. We get pretty crazy about cleaning them, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, after, like, just a, two or three weeks, and you're sweating, and, you know, because, I mean, if you put a fan on, on the mask, it's solid. You're not really getting that air. Like, yeah. it don't matter. So it's, <laughs> it gets really hot in there. Like, yeah. like, there's definitely been some moments on stage where it's like, all right, we got a venue with no AC and no windows. And no fans. And no fans. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so we've, we've had some interesting moments, but. Moscow, baby. Showbiz. Moscow, yeah. It's showbiz, right? Just gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. just, you know, just throw up a little and yeah. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are, like, how thick are they? What are they made of, the masks? They're made out of this weird, like, polymer shit that's 3D printed. Oh, really? Like, yeah they're, yeah, they're actually 3D printed, huh. and yeah. and we finished them in gold leaf, and then they have a poly coat on top of that. So they're pretty durable, and they look really cool, even close up. Oh, they look fantastic! Like looking at all the the band pictures and stuff, and the live, it, it just like it, it, the quality comes across. So yeah, uh, yeah. So and the three of us have like we've. The finish of them kind of evolved too. We, think we sort of made them cooler and cooler. You know? And as you sweat, like they start to, because it's gold leaf, it's like a real metal. They're kind of like it develops patina. Yeah, yeah. patina, and then you get some vertigree all over your. Like a Fender Custom Shop relic Strat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking Justin's language. Now I see him over here. He's salivating, man. Just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, popped hard for that one. That, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Love those strats. Just light one up and talk about guitars and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did want to talk a little bit about um, instruments, uh, but you guys use you guys don't just use guitars. You know, I, I I had asked Kenny. I think I kind of cut you off a little bit about the different percussive instruments besides your conventional drum kit that has been used. Um, maybe you could tell us a, a little bit about that. Am I, am I right? Yeah, I mean, there's been, um, like, uh, it's more so I would say on Alphaville, like, cause I mean, obviously you guys heard the, the Tycho stuff that we did for Atomic Age, which we actually have. City Swine. I mean, City Swine. Oh my God. <laughs> oh no, there's Atomic Age too. Just got some. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. There's Atomic Age. There's, uh, we got like some, some gong drums in Atomic Age, the Tycho's in City Swine, then there's a lot of like field drum stuff at the end of Atomic Age. So like even like stuff like that, like Steve and I literally took like about 12 different kinds of snare drums, sizes, woods, different types of strainers, skins, and did that whole marching thing at the end together. So like, you know, it's, you know, a bunch of weird bells and gamelons and, and just, you know, anything that can make a sound that's just interesting you know mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't like uh it, it's fluid 
the idea, like when you hear that stuff on the album, it because you've created this environment on an album so well, and the songs, like you were saying before, you're you're thinking about, um, you know, adding these extra things to subsidize the loss of a live um, situation. Uh, it blends so well. Like those drums come in, and because I'm like immersed in Alphaville, I'm already there. Like it's not like oh this is a grindcore album and out of nowhere you know here's some weird fucking saxophone or some shit. It's like super fluid. Thank cool. you. It's amazing. Yeah, you guys really pulled that off fantastically. You know, a, a lot of it I think also too it, it comes from like because you know like well like for the Tycho session especially like you know we you know the three of us like 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 Tomas has been saying you know in interviews like n- the three of us have no fucking business touching some Japanese titles, okay? We have no business. <laughs> we, we love the music. We love the drumming and, and the tradition that it comes from. It's like, I mean, even after that experience, I thought about, like, down the road, like, not knowing that this year was going to be this year of, like, hitting that guy up for lessons just to go back and, and kind of touch base on that, but... It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely like a lifestyle type of drumming. It is. Mm-hmm. It very it's, much it's, is. It's some real deep shit. Yeah. You know? uh, a, a friend of mine that I originally had planned to join us to do this thing, who's a professional taiko player, like he was a totally different type of instrumentalist, and he's had to almost like 180 his musical career to really put in the work and the time for this for this instrument to just to kind of paint the perspective. And you know, obviously for us, we don't have that kind of time and luxury to like literally like oh let's just stop playing drums and bass and like pick up this instrument for the next five years but oh, we yeah. try to do that whatever elements we incorporate you know again whether it's like you know acoustic pianos or percussion stuff that we're doing it in a way that's both interesting and orchestrationally sound but also done authentically so that it doesn't feel cheap like a lot of bands like i think you were kind of saying it's like you'll be listening to a grindcore record then all of a sudden there's like a breakdown that is of a different kind of music or a different instrumentation, but because there's no ownership of that sound or that style or approach, it ends up kind of coming off almost jokey. And maybe the intent yeah. wasn't necessarily right. to be hilarious. It was just to try to like, hey, we want to just throw this other element in, but there's no experience with it. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? I, I, I wouldn't even say that it's like jokey all the time, but it's definitely enough of a contrast where you could tell that... Um, that it's almost like a second thought it's like only production trick like that's it um so it's it's nice that it's all melded together so well thank you i think for all the kids out there listening that want to make art the the key is don't overdo it (laughs) (laughs) wow you know wise words in this day and age though because i call it kind of like patchwork quilt uh, songwriting, you know, where some bands will just like, like, here's here's my surf rock part, here's my grindcore part, here's my Pantera part, you know what I mean? And, it, and it's this thing that kind of like uh, is a fill-in for progressive music in a way, um, you know what I mean? Where whereas uh, a band like yourself, and this is kind of like alluding to um, one of my like final uh, personal questions I wanted to ask you guys before we move into um, some some questions we fielded from from listeners of yours. Um, the use of elements like jazz, um, electronics, different instrumentation, does this, would you agree, reflect like the multiculturalism of New York City? And is there a parallel to be found in that with the way some of the Nordic bands uh, used like instruments and folk music from their culture? Absolutely, I think. You know, we New York is a very uh, 
multicultural place. It's the most languages in the world spoken in the city. And I think we would be foolish not to claim to be a New York band and try to draw as much influence from everywhere as we can. And we are uh, grateful for the luxury of being able to draw from all these different cultures and still feel very New York. Well, it's because it's coming from us, you know. I mean, like the the thing with this band is the three of us are into a lot of different things that come or birthed out of this city, you know. Certain movements in music, especially in jazz, you know, have had big big impacts on how we play instruments, how we write songs, how we play together, you know. Like, I mean, like, I mean, even like 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 Money Jungle, right? Like that's like a record that once the three of us, we've all heard this record in different points in our life, but once the three of us heard that together, it sort of unified our sound. It took it to another level because we all kind of saw a blueprint there as it were, you know, and it, and that's and harkening, a trio too on that record. Yeah. And so a lot of that's hearkening back to just like where you come from, what do you know, what informed your environment? Cause you know, it's, I mean, New York's a multicultural place, but there's specific things that came out of this place and we just try to tap into it. I mean, jazz, you know, with the exception of New Orleans, you could say that New York is definitely like the king of jazz. You know, like if you look at the history of jazz, yeah, Kansas City, New Orleans, New York, right? Yeah. So I think that is just kind of natural to just be there, you know, in the music. Yeah, I mean, I mean, bands like Candiria back in the day were doing a lot of the similar, maybe in a different context. But a lot of similar stuff to what we're doing now, adding electronics, adding jazz, adding other elements not indicative of rock or metal at all. You know, like a lot of the hip hop tracks they did that had like jazz breakdowns with like legit straight up swinging jazz. You know, I mean, so not that we're necessarily copying Candiria, but again, them being another New York band, it's just, you know, a lot of the New York bands, I mean, all of us, we got something by being in this city that just, it's like you can't just be a straight up hardcore band or a thrash band or a metalcore band or a death metal band. There's always going to be some other element in your music that just gives it that New York stamp of approval. Absolutely. It's called balls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Big New York balls. I, um, I never I made this connection until you just said it, but what a perfect pairing you guys and Candiria would be on a New York City bill. Uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to plant seeds or anything, you know, or, or you know, but all bro, I'm saying, you know, you, got, no, you guys can say no comment. Uh, this water, like, this garden, man, come on. <laughs> Are you that, kidding? Yeah, no, I mean, because just obviously aesthetically, and there's, you know, there's a, like a, there's got to be a Venn diagram of the fan base, but you know, you guys are coming from two different angles, but such New York City centric bands, man. Just throw Madball on there and call it a day, bro. That's that. That's the show. <laughs> Fantasy book. Sell out the garden. That should be the welcome back New York City show when things open up. Um, one hundred percent. This show. One thousand percent. Yeah, it's all about New York. But um, uh, so. We have uh, a new thing we're doing with some of our Patreon um, pledges uh, who are fans of Imperial Triumphant's music. We asked them if they had any questions for you guys. Um, we filtered out the weird stuff, your underwear, whatever, all that crazy shit, and the drugs and whatever. You know, we're, we're just going with the, with the good ones. Um, <laughs> and the first one up, uh, a longtime listener, Kent Mulcahy, um, he wants to know... Do you feel like reviewers and even fans sometimes play up the jazz metal aspect of your music? And just to paraphrase a little bit at the end, he says, um, sometimes I wonder if critics set up unrealistic expectations for new listeners by gravitating towards uh, 
the, the, or embellishing the amount of jazz in your music? I think that he's probably right. But at the same time, he's definitely right. (laughs) But at the same time, I can understand, you know, like the job of these journalists is to pull people in. And I think you kind of maybe, you know, pull on the interests of people when you say like, oh, it's a, you know, Miles Davis, like meets portal kind of sound. You know, like I feel like that's just like a like a little, you know, elevator pitch. But he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um. You know, it's the nature of the beast. You know, that's just kind of the way the industry works these days. You know, especially you have so many bands, so many different things happening. It's like it's almost like that kind of thing has become like the the fifteen second pitch. Yeah, you got to get their attention. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the New York attitude. Um, <laughs> right, but also uh, like what you're looking at. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listener Shane Reedy asked about the um, the Art Deco style uh, and what made you choose it for the aesthetic of the band. Um, is it because prominent New York City skyscrapers were designed in this style? And I think you guys explained that very thoroughly towards the beginning of the interview. But he closed his comment out with, "Will Imperial Triumphant always be a band whose lyrical content draws inspiration from New York City?" Can't really predict the future. Like, what if we move to fucking some other place, and yeah. and we decide that that place is just as much of an sh- evil shithole, and we want to describe that place? You know? like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you know, you might have to um, might, might have to brainstorm and move somewhere for like the seventh album. You never know, man. Yeah, like the yeah. Bahamas might not be the right place. <laughs> you know I mean? Right? For, you know, but yeah, I'm getting it. Getting... <laughs> the throes of Tuscany. Hey, guys, yeah. that's a new song about coconuts. I'm, really get into it. I'm getting really evil vibes the, from Costa Rica. The esoteric coconuts. <laughs> I mean, where could, you know, where do a lot of mature New Yorkers go? Boca Raton. You just go yeah. down there. Boca, yeah. And just yeah. Yeah, write that, the heaviest what? album out of Boca. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just we brought up Boca earlier today. That's crazy. Shout to Junior Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I'll say about that is um, New York. There is definitely no shortage of inspiration in New York. Let's 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 leave it there. That's true. That's true. Okay. Um, fair enough. And uh, uh, Nick Serino. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, he writes "Yo" with three O's and three exclamation points. That's a yell. Yo. Yeah, big, Yo. Big fan. Um, respectful of Tom's microphone right now. <laughs> Thought, uh, but this is a good question. Thoughts on higher education in music and music college? As someone who just plays Artie B riffs all day, stop. Sometimes I feel torn between feeling that kind of education is necessary to make meaningful melodies, uh, and when, or when I'm in a rut with guitar, it's something I often think about. As New York musicians, where a lot of these music schools are with a lot of training, I feel like I would love to hear your take on this topic. Definitely important. I, mean, I, was, I, I sorry, man. I would, I would say, no, nobody needs to go to music school to make great music. I mean, that that everyone should agree on that. You know, like because art, music, whatever it is, is just a thing that exists in the universe, and how you channel it is going to be your own path and whatever the fuck happens in your life and, and that kind of shit. But having a background in music the way we did really helps the three of us connect. On a, on a level of things that we want to execute, you know, that we may may not have been able to so easily. Completely. And if you want to play artificial brain riffs, you gotta know those guys know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll never be able to play any artificial brain riff. Not even the one that goes. <laughs> 
at the end of the song. I can't even, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, yeah. Like to, to piggyback off of Steve, we are in a time now where a lot of the kind of education or the kinds of people who would be teaching at an institution that you would probably be interested in going to for music school, like especially if you live in a big city where a lot of the music schools are stupid expensive and there's unless you have a band or a career already there's no chance that there's going to be anything that you're going to get out of the six figures of debt you're going to accrue mm -hmm. you know a lot of this knowledge you could find it online you could find people online who could teach it to you directly i mean you know as directly as you can now but you know in normal circumstances you can you can find these people and like you know for like a quarter of the cost they would be getting from teaching in the school you can just hit them up for lessons yeah for 50 bucks i'll give lessons to i mean yeah i mean like ah, teaching all year long you know <laughs> i mean ah. no but real it's like you can you know there was a point where a lot of the the knowledge you would get from a music school university a conservatory was very secluded there was no access to that knowledge unless you went now things are different so you know you have to kind of weigh the cost of like do i want to really put myself financially in the hole to learn something to like fuel my band or fuel my personal music or is it like you know you, you have to kind of just weigh those costs but you know I, the knowledge is out there you know it i don't any way you can get more knowledge only makes your shit better you know it's because totally. you don't have to use it just because you learned it you could just know it and just it, inspire what you do the more you learn the more you earn <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, time out. <laughs> <laughs> they don't pay by the note. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of earning, though, that's the way that's that's the way some touring musicians now are kind of supplementing their income with the whole coronavirus thing. Um, is a lot of musicians are giving lessons online, Zoom, Skype, all that sort of thing. People are starting up YouTube channels. So you know, the listeners who are interested in that sort of thing might want to look online, like you said, and you can get a lot of knowledge just from people's social media nowadays. Um, find find your favorite musician and just hit him up. Be like, listen, what would it cost to take three lessons with you, and take it from there? And that, I, I had college professors recommending that. By the way, they were saying you guys are wasting your money. You should be taking <laughs> that you're spending in school. Find your favorite musician, give him ten grand, put him on a retainer. You're going to be like his roadie, and you're going to study with them, and then take the other money, get a manager, get a band, and best of luck to you. That was advice from one of my teachers. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, balls. Good a lot of balls. balls there. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Fuck this school mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was keeping it real, man. Give, yeah. give him credit. He was on the way out. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he was about yeah. to retire. He, 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 he didn't give a fuck. He didn't get it. <laughs> um, uh, the, the young guy, uh, Huntington's own Harrison Clark, uh, writes, this is a good one. What led you guys to include a barbershop quartet section on Atomic Age? Uh, that section makes an already awesome song all the more special, but I would want to understand the creative process behind the decision. That was Zach's idea. That was my idea. I did a lot of, um, well, you know, barbershop quartet is kind of this really cheesy genre that uh, I really kind of wanted to see, A, could I write a barbershop quartet tune that sounded kind of creepy and fucked up because most of them are sound just too cheesy and then also I wanted to like take the listener to another place I wanted to bring them back to 1950s post-world war like and bring them to like this 
kind of fifty spot where everything's fine and you know don't worry about it. It's the it's, Cold War. Yeah, and like yeah, the, the American mentality back then I think is very kind of looking back is kind of dystopian. Yeah, that, that phrase you just used, everything is fine. If you can truly convey that, it's very creepy. Because yeah. never, it's never fine. There's, like, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing creepier. Nothing creepier than mm-hmm. that. Oh, you're just being lied to, and there's mm-hmm. something terrible happening. What, that's that's like, right? yeah, what is that movie? The Stepford Wives, right? The, I actually yeah. never saw that one. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like that, you know, that that kind of like false plastic. You know, yeah. there's, t- there's Twilight Zone episodes about it. With that just kinda, yeah, that kind yeah. of shit. It's the vibe I wanted to yeah. put the listener in. Right before they drop in Atomic Age, yeah. the Black Hole Sun video. <laughs> Bingo. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> it's it's true though, and um, it it may it, it's it's a very cinematic approach. Uh, well, you know, because it's like you also you know like in horror movies, you can have any you can have anything you know you want in a horror movie. You know, like that. You could have you know you could have the the milkman with the white suit and the 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 fifties quartet and everything. But you know, it's it. It's just a setting for something horrific. Whereas yeah. in music, it's very hard to break that seriousness um, and break that that tone, man. So yeah, it's it's, it's a cinematic touch. Uh, and moving along, we just have a few more questions from uh, Imperial Triumphant fans who who uh, who, who waste their money supporting um, uh, no. my, buying new socks for Heavy Hole Podcast uh, uh, hosts. <laughs> Listen, we haven't washed socks in months. So yeah. just throw them out. Uh, Single use. Sean Newhart writes, um, where did you come up with the retro futuristic aesthetic for the band? Were you inspired by anything in particular? And we already talked about the Art Deco thing. Would you agree with the with the um, the term uh, retro futuristic? And do you want to talk about that? Well, we lost you for a second. Oh, I think Are they froze back? up. Oh, there we go. Oops. Retro futuristic is definitely applicable to what we do just for the simple reason that when you look at civilization and societal struggles and things and if that's what you're commenting on like we were saying earlier it's just as relevant probably 5,000 years ago as it will be 15,000 years into the future you know so I don't that's what that's what that means, and, and I think that it fits perfectly with what we talk about. Yeah. So a lot of people, a lot of people have been using that term with Alphaville, especially, and it's the, the film is like that anyway. Yeah, the the film that we inspired the album title off of and the track title album track is very much a retro futuristic kind of uh, film that just happened to work perfectly. Uh, with our album, just like the vibe and the energy, I think it's just exactly the same. Yeah, like Atomic Age, for example, like he's talking about the 50s, the post-war vibe, but Atomic Age is really about the future. You know, like the song is actually about the future. It's not about the Atomic Age of mid 20th century global political geopolitical schematic it's 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 about the, the future of like you know like robots and fucking ai shit and machine learning and all that because all that is the atomic age right Our, the iphone you know like that's the atomic age we're living in it yeah yeah welcome welcome yeah. <laughs> welcome home 
Welcome home. <laughs> it's it's something I kind of tried to touch on um, uh, with artificial brain a little a little bit. Yeah. I think it's it's a paranoia that's on a lot of our consciousness as we live in in this age that was kind of like shown to us in the Jetsons in a way, you know, and things like that as a kid. And now we're in like this. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, it's not as cool as I thought it would be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this is right. fucked up. Hey, are there any um, on the new I'm artificial brain? Jetsons oh. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that vibe, that Jetsons like. Oh. Lounge vibe. Mm-hmm. I love it. The music was pretty well, Smash Mouth kind of uh, <laughs> Smash Mouth used that uh, aesthetic pretty well, I think, for uh, Astro Lounge. I think they knocked oh, it out of the park God. on that one. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna be the cool it's, guy who has no idea about Smash Mouth, except it, people say I look like that guy. It's not cult to know, so you're all right. Yeah, it's. It, it was, no, dude, you wait. You look nothing like the guy from Smash. Bros. I had to. I had to grow out my beard and throw away my straw fedora just so people wouldn't compare me to the singer of Smash Mouth. Oh, this summer, it was. Yeah, I used to take the straw fedora uh-huh. fishing, but I, they they would chase me down for autographs on the. Be- Listen, I had a brilliant segue. I had a brilliant segue um, that's that's depleted now by Smash Mouth, but that's okay. Um, Adam Moore, uh, Patreon Pledge, uh, has a relevant question to what you were saying, though. He says, these guys have dabbled outside of their traditional formats that most people associate with music and released a graphic novel, uh, which is why I didn't touch on that before, because we had this question. A few unique pieces of merchandise. Uh, So my question is this. How far could Imperial Triumphant go if given the means and the budget? What is your dream project to work on? Um, or is it a, a multi-instrument stage show, a feature-length film, something fans haven't begun to consider? So you want to talk about that aspect of the band and what your aspirations would be? Before, before, before Zach answers this, I just, <laughs> I just want to say all of the above. Yeah. All right? We have so many. First of all, feature-length film, at least one. At least one. <laughs> I want to do like a I want to do like Daft Punk style music video where they had like the uh, they had that 80s anime that played over the entire album. Yeah, I'll do that for an entire album, just a concept story that plays through the whole record. Then I think what else? We want, we want to score like live. We like want to score, score films. As a yeah. trio, score, score some films. We want to be scoring films. We want to be in films. We want to do video game scoring because this is a huge demographic. Games, our, games. our fans love video games. And uh, your drummer loves video games. We love video games. <laughs> a and, lot of the fucking songs like, I write are inspired by video games. But like <laughs> this, this, all these things can be influenced by the Imperial Trump aesthetic. And I think that our brand is a launch pad for something much, much bigger than just the albums. Obviously, we put 100% into them, but we put 100% into everything that we make. And and could you oh, talk yeah. a little bit about the graphic novel? The graphic novel is awesome. We are working <laughs> right now to we're working right now to get a digital version so that people that couldn't pick up a physical copy can still check it out. It's essentially like this, um, this the same concept is like when you would scroll through the booklet of a, a C, like a CD booklet or a vinyl booklet when you got the new record and you'd listen to it and you read the lyrics i wanted that same experience but on a much deeper level so we hired eight different artists to illustrate in as many pages as they wanted a chapter which would represent you know a song on bio luxury and so that you while you listen to the album you can you know peruse this uh you know gigantic cd booklet and 
really get a, uh, another perspective on the music and the vibe. And each artist was, you know, selected by us, very different styles, so it kind of takes you on an interesting journey. And now we're working to think about maybe more of a narrative graphic novel, something that's telling more of a story. And yeah, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, one thing I'll say is that there, the amount of talent out there in the world is amazing. So like, by ha having a collaboration project, like a graphic novel, for example, it brings this, this other art into our world also. That's just really cool because everybody's piece was amazing. Absolutely. You know, so it's just cool also to just just to get, just to get more collaborative with art, you know, like on a bigger scale. Yeah, just in different mediums. Yeah, different mediums. And and those those experiences oftentimes they inspire us with the music afterwards. Like a lot of times after these projects that we get involved in, we start looking at our songs a little bit differently, whether it's like how they're performed, what the stage setup is gonna be, or even what kind of songs we're gonna write next. I mean like it's like we get we get really inspired by what a lot of the people have contributed over the years to all the different like side projects this band's been doing. It's 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 you know it's it's what kind of New York City in a lot of ways is all about. It's a lot of people who got a lot of shit together crammed on top of each other, and you got to make something happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like hiring artists to work like that. You're basically hiring professional listeners to give you their perspective. Exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. Kanye. Yeah. It's super cool. <laughs> super inspired. It's yeah. exactly like Kanye. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what Kanye does. He's got a team. It's smart. Um, shout out to him, allegedly. Uh, listen. <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, well, a real friend of the show, uh, quick segue, get away on that one, uh, <laughs> is Phil Wadey, Patreon Pledge, who asks, um, uh, a real astute listener of Imperial Triumphant here, what led to the drastic change in musical direction between the Obeisance EP and if I say this right, the Abomina Mentum album. Both are great releases, but they sound like two different bands. They are two different bands. <laughs> I knew that was the easy answer, right? <laughs> no, seriously, one band is me with a bunch of you know kids I went to high school with playing that second wave black metal style. And then Abomina Mentum is me after I graduated from music school, after having you know, four years of, you know, modern classical, you know, crammed into my head with Alex uh, Cohen and Eric Millay, the two savage rhythm section of uh, Puron, mm -hmm. yep. playing, you know, my new, my new project. And it really just has the same band name. Okay. So uh, it's, it's yeah, they are really pretty much two different bands at this point. But I mean, that's also something, you know, it's like I said, I kind of listened to your releases over the years as they were presented new over like the last decade. And then this weekend in preparation for the interview, I went back and I kind of listened to the whole catalog, like one after the other, you know, over the last few days. And it is interesting. And I love, you know, I've done that with almost every guest pretty much, you know, but the ones who have a lengthy catalog and some musicians kind of enter the fold and leave throughout the years, it always is interesting because there's dynamics and there's, there's you know, there's errors. Like I said before about the few releases that have both Kenny and Alex on them doing percussion. There's eras to the band. That's an era of Imperial Triumphant, and now you're in a yeah. different era. So it's always good as a fan to be able to look back. It, it adds um, some dynamics and some context to the band as a whole and to the story. Um, uh, and just one more um, uh, Patreon question before we move on and, and we let you guys finish your drinks and do what you got to do tonight. Um, 
Uh, DJ Potter, uh, being so inspired, this is a fun one, being so inspired by New York City, would you ever want to come up with a guided walking tour? They could be album-specific. Throw on vile luxury as you leave the 59th Street Station at Lexington Ave. Be sure to reach the Chrysler Building when Gotham Lux kicks in. Wow. <laughs> so sick. What's this guy's DJ what? That's DJ Potter on our Patreon. DJ Potter, you yeah, just gave us the next genius idea. We should do that. <laughs> like a, yeah. uh, you like, make an app and it's... Uh, no, and it's like you put on the album and then you follow the map. Like it's an app or something. Mm. Yeah. You follow mm. the map and as you progress... It's you know you're encountering certain things as you as the music happens. It's like That's fucking geotagging. Yeah, DJ so, Potter, uh, Patreon pledge. DJ Potter scrambling behind the scenes for an app developer right now. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> DJ Potter blowing our minds with a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> That's that, genius. Yeah, we should absolutely do that. Yeah, it's so, that's that's what I think. Anyone who's not from New York. How? What better way to take in the city than Imperial Trumpet as your tour guide? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm well, willing yeah. to do the same thing for Huntington Station. <laughs> wow. Here's, yeah, here's the here's the here's the junkyard. Here's the bodega. There's the there's the place where you get your tire changed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I buy a hundred of those. That's, that's I no. Yeah. Listen, I really like your um. I like how specific he was about that. Mm-hmm. It seemed to click with you guys. I personally, you'd have to take me there to remind me about all that stuff. The Chrysler building, I recognize. Yep. Well, we do have like, a, I guess there's a running trend of bands that recently on the Heavy Hole podcast that after the interview, they get the bump and they make millions of dollars like just after the interview. So this yeah. is oh, one yeah. of those things. So. Yeah. Um, eventually, you will have that building that looks like the Alphaville cover. Yeah, we just interviewed uh, Nick, who, who plays for D. Snyder. That's how everybody knows D. Snyder now, all of a sudden. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah Look how big he is. <laughs> all of a sudden, Wait, D. Snyder's headlining. <laughs> Heavy old podcast. Listen, all right. Um, seriously, though, we've had you guys on the horn for a while. Uh, I see you guys checking your watches. All right, I, no, I can take a hint. No, no I'm kidding. I'm, for the <laughs> listeners, I'm kidding. They're being, they're, to- they're these guys are cool. Nobody wears watches. <laughs> yeah, who wears a watch? Come on, it's, it, that shows you how old I am, dude. I'm like, yeah, checking your checking your Rolex. Wait, um, you wearing watches? Because I'm sorry if you are. Yeah, no, they don't make them big enough for my wrists. I break them, uh, like the Incredible Hulk. But it's yeah, it's pathetic. Um, but uh, uh, I had a leather strap uh, watch one time. My hand went dead. Um, <laughs> come on. Uh, uh, hold on a second, though, because we're going to ask you guys uh, now, as we usually do before we close out, to recommend one older and one newer release uh, by any artist, any genre, just to recommend for the listeners. Um, I don't know. I, I, I told you guys you could, like, elect a group choice for the band, or you could each go separately. It's your, it's your call. But what's our old one? We discussed it. Okay. All I said was, like, you know, yeah, like I said it was for, a real for, one. The, for the new one. <laughs> Did you finish discussing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm busting balls, man. I'm wait, sorry. wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, no. <laughs> for the new one, it's Artificial Brains album. That's now. <laughs> <laughs> now you're busting my balls. Get out of here, man. When's this coming out? Uh, this is, this is we certainly that was, be what, the best that was our decision before we even started this this podcast. Yeah, that we was won. actually what we were going to say. We're going to be the first ones in line, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's we Where? got uh we got masks now. We got Japanese water drums. <laughs> we're singing about the singing about the Kosciuszko Bridge. It's great. Pulaski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Fucking Gowanus. Yeah. And then old record. What do you guys think? Old record's tough. I would go. Throw one out there. Let's see if, all, if we all three of us agree. Here, I got one for Say you. Say at the same time. Here, here's one. Here's one. No one's gonna expect from us. I'm gonna go Metallica, hmm. 1984, live at the Lyceum. Whoa. I'm down with that one. Okay. Class. It's the band in their prime, probably hammered on stage, and they're playing perfectly. It's like great. And they're playing one of the heaviest albums ever. Wow. All right. It sounds. It, it sounds better than Ride the Lightning. I'll just say that. Oh, allegedly. Uh, our listener is now scrambling to hear that. We finally got a recommendation that like no one, no one knows. No one. That's that's the Metallica album recommendation that no one can be like, eh, or eh, you know what I mean, man. That's great. I think that's actually our first Metallica recommendation yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of like, oh, I was gonna pick Metallica, but then yeah, you know, we went somewhere uh, else. But I like the confidence for sure. You I've know, been saving uh, Saint Anger, so I just <laughs> listen to it. They- it, it. It's it is a great fucking album. It's, yeah, it's when they go into record. For Whom the Bell Tolls live, I swear to God, it's heavier than any breakdown I've ever heard. Wow, man. Well, I, you know, Metallica, another band that's been through a lot of eras. I don't ever try to clown uh, anyone for their, for their taste in uh, uh, music or Metallica or anyone. Because, like, we got to celebrate that, that older stuff, man. You know what I mean? Regardless of what's going on, like... You know, you see someone on TMZ last year or something like that. Or like like Megadeth is one of those bands, too, man. People clown Dave Mustaine nowadays. I still like the old album. Sue me. You know what I mean, man? Yeah, yeah, man. You know, okay. that's, that's and you know what? At the end of the day, these are all working cats, you know, making yeah. money, playing music. Is And isn't that the dream at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah. man. So, so, you, so you say some weird shit. All right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Mo- moving on. You guys. All right. You guys brought the recommendations. We picked your brains. We let the Patreon people pick your brains. Um, and, you know, there's, there's always going to be more questions because you guys have a big catalog of material that we encourage the listeners to check out. Um, and maybe we could, like, like I said, eventually get you guys on like individually and learn about your other projects and, and your upbringing and something like that. But I feel like we at least cracked the Imperial Triumphant uh, seal, you know, and you guys have, uh, like I said, a healthy band camp with a lot of different releases on there. The most recent being um, this year's Alphaville on Century Media Records. Um, maybe quickly before we go out uh, and I ask you to, talk, you know, say whatever you want to the fans and to our listeners. What, um, like, like. What would you credit Century Media uh, investing in your brand to? Because there's a lot of people that just think it happens overnight because I can play a good riff. But what sort of work do you guys put in that you feel like, I'm glad we did that? And that was hard, but we went through it. I mean, the thing is, everything you do counts towards it because you don't really, you never know who's watching, who's paying attention. You know, we played... uh, Roadburn and, and and our publicist at the time was like, yo, everyone's gonna be paying attention, so don't fuck it up. But like, it turns out everyone that we see, they were like, yeah, I call you guys at Roadburn. Yeah, all these like, you know, in, uh, journalists and label people, they all saw us there, and it was really important. And um, just every every everything you do, you just have to really give a shit. And then I have to credit. Uh, JB from Spark Crown, who's uh, a friend of mine, and he actually is the one who made the connection 
uh, with me and uh, Philip from Century Media, and that's how we started talking. And, you know, they were really grateful to be on that label because they definitely took a chance on us. We were, we were not, a, at the time, we were not super big and weren't just like a quick, quick cash cow. Now we're huge. Now we're. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Heavy Hole Podcast, man. You gotta be you. <laughs> no, I'm gonna throw this laptop out when I'm done with this interview. <laughs> Get yourself a new one. Checks in the mail already. That's right. Yeah. Same no, news. but they. They did take a chance on us, and uh, we're really grateful that we were able to deliver such a quality record that they liked, everyone likes. We obviously love it. And so I think, yeah, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. But at the same time, you got to want it, because if you don't put that energy out there and you're not trying to get to the top, you will just stay at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, you sleep on floors for a while, like, you know, hoping... <laughs> that you're, you're building a body of work that's gonna amount to something so that you could maybe like, the three of us could share a king bed in a hotel room now. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's true, yeah. it's true. Oh, except my bands, I just get the king bed, they they, they, they hit the van and I <laughs> kick them out. I gotta get some sleep. Um, speaking, of, speaking of kicking people out, cause I gotta get some sleep. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really appreciate you guys' time. We appreciate you guys. Being, <laughs> being on the heavy hole podcast man uh, we're cracking each other up it was good uh is there anything else you guys want to say in parting to listeners of our podcast and imperial triumphant fans we look forward to seeing people you know hoping that the live music thing gets back soon yeah and thanks all everyone for the support it's yeah. been uh a- it's a real pleasure when you put a lot of work into something that you really like, like Alphaville, and then you see the responses, everyone going, okay, we like it as well. Yeah. It just feels, it's a tremendous feeling. Awesome, man. And uh, yeah, and, and that's Alphaville, uh, the new record uh, as of 2020 on Century Media Records. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. Steve, Zach, and Kenny of Imperial Triumphant on Heavy Hole Podcast, man. Thanks for having us. First time, long time, man. Love this podcast. Yeah, uh, yes. hopefully we'll get you guys back uh, one at a time so, you, so we can start some in-band fighting and try yes. yeah. drive a wedge between them. <laughs> we we'll specialize in. <laughs> yeah. Planting seeds. Yeah. Arguing over, like, side do. I want to do a, a three-way podcast with the guys from Malignancy. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow! Let's wow! Wow! I, well, lots of ideas yeah. bubbling up, man. Maybe we could get them into the New York. Well, they'll be the Yonkers street tour. You get. You, I, 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 I wouldn't feel safe walking around Yonkers without Ron and, and Danny from Malignancy. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta roll up in like an alley, like West Side yeah, Story you, style. You, you just gotta know somebody up there. <laughs> snapping the blast beats. Yeah, just <laughs> snapping Yonkers. <laughs> You guys are drinking uh, whiskey out of mm-hmm. fancy glasses. Um, I've got a Heineken, not a 40. We're, we're classing it up tonight. We talked to Imperial Triumphant. Was our dude uh, fucking drinking in Manhattan the whole time? Yeah, art. I yeah, like art. There you go. <laughs> right. Come on. You know, uh, no, in all seriousness, we, talk, we just talked to the three guys from Imperial Triumphant. Um, nice guys. I know them from the scene, allegedly. I tried to be as objective as possible. 
Uh, and we thank our Patreon pledges for their uh, contributions to the line of questioning. Um, oh, you, can, you can get on our Patreon, uh, Heavy Hole Podcast, and check that out if you want. And um, Yeah, that being a new feature, it's gone over pretty well. I mean, you, you sprung it on the Patreon folks right before we did Dan Swano. Mm-hmm. And in 18 hours, the whole interview was done for us. Yeah, um, it's actually great because it, uh, it, it negates some of the time I spend doing the research. Uh, leaving more time for me to coax my feral cat out of his cardboard box right. uh, and, and rely on him for emotional therapy. But enough about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting uh, the real-time stats in now, and uh, the Patreon questions are going over huge. So now's the time. Get on the Heavy Hole Patreon. Yeah, Fancy and, uh, Feast going over huge with my cat. Oh, my God. Stonks. Uh, Stonks, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, all right. We're going crazy here. It's these Imperial Triumphant guys show up on Skype. Everyone's cracking jokes. Everyone's busting balls. And now we can't even run a podcast anymore, man. You guys got to shape up it's or a ship out. Mess. Uh, and in the spirit of that, I'm God running damn. the show now. Recommend me some music. Let's do it. It's a good idea. I'm, I'm the Imperial one right now, all right? <clears throat> I, these are my notes. The name <laughs> of the band is says beautiful. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> cool. So uh, my recommendation this week, I got... Uh, Wow, what a fucking powerhouse. Uh, Faceless Burial. Their new record, which I've been calling Speculation because I can't read. It's actually Speciation. Uh, slightly different meaning, but you know. Speciation. You, you guys got books. So uh, this shit came out August uh, 2020, which we're in right now on Dark Descent Records. Um, a, a fucking amazing band from Australia. Uh, this is like... This is this is a, a weird, beautiful crux of like the '90s uh, grungy death metal shit that like Blood Incantations doing, uh, Two Mold, you know, uh, shit like that. But it's got this caveman esque element to it. Um, really, it, like a, a riff encyclopedia. Uh, yeah, more uh, riff than caveman. Definitely. Um, it, it like I said, yeah, blends. It blends. Yeah. But I was a. Uh, I've, I've been listening to this record, man. Uh, I'm actually absolutely blown away by the guitar work, the musician, musicianship. Um, I love the the, the very uh, just necessary vocal styling. Uh, you know, we're not we're not going too crazy here. We're, we're giving it what what it needs. For me, uh, the standout is the drumming. Uh, one of the most creative uh, takes on death metal drumming I've heard recently, and we ne- we haven't talked about this record uh, enough on the podcast, but like. Uh, the latest Blood Incantation record, uh, Hidden History. Uh, I completely fanboyed out over that. This one is, it, it comes at a good time. It, it's replacing that for me. It's moving up to the number one spot. Hmm. Uh, I've yeah. never heard Blood Incantation. I got to put that on my list. Yeah, no, they're pretty on. sick. They're kind of like artificial brain in a yeah, way. Like, I'm yeah, they're <laughs> Stop, <enough>. dude. <laughs> we're going to put a jar over here. Every time someone brings up artificial brain, they're putting a dollar in it. That's the new podcast rule. Look, um, these guys, you <laughs> talked about the drums. Yeah. Uh, one thing in listening to this, the drums stood out to me 100%. The whole rhythm section, really. But the way this guy plays, first of all, the way this was recorded, the drums in particular. Beautiful. It's just perfect. Organic and, and, yeah. and big. You know? and, and, and it captures a great performance by this guy. Um, something, I never thought I'd say this years ago, but something that's happened in death metal is you could play me a lot of bands that come out and you could say, yeah, it's a drum machine. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an app for drums or whatever. Oh, for I don't sure. know. I know where you're going. Yeah, for but sure. this band, you could never trick me into thinking it's a drum machine, man. Yeah. You know, it just sounds. He's got a certain 
almost like a straightforward but a swing kind of sound yeah, to his I, drumming. And I don't it, think they're 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 sonically comparable, like like getting granular with it. But um, it, it I got a mastodon vibe with the way that the drums affect that band uh, in this band. Uh, it's it, just like when there's creative drumming, it just sets it, it, it. It's a bar higher, you know. Yeah, it's a heavy groove. It's like mm-hmm. it's like how Black Sabbath could set a groove, but it was a heavy groove. Yeah, so I'm I'm loving this shit. Uh, Faceless Burial. Uh, I believe this is their second full length, but I don't know. I didn't take notes. Um, <laughs> check this shit out. He was up in the mountains with his girl. He didn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, come so. on. What do you tonight, got, Tom? I'm bringing a new one called Mechanical Separation. This is their EP called Plague Monster. Uh, not on Metalum, so my job was harder. Uh, came out. Oh this wait, year. so that means that they're too much on the punk and hardcore side of grindcore, much like Buckshot Facelift used to be yeah. when Metalum refused to list us. But that's another story. That's you were, interesting. You were a victim of that. They were discriminating against you. But I, but you know, I've told this story before, man. Rick, my beloved brother on guitar and Buckshot Facelift, felt differently and made certain that we were listed in Metallum. And I always said it's a better selling point to be the band that's not allowed in Metallum. So to this band, what's their name again? This is uh, Mechanical Separation. Guys, keep yourself out of that Metallum. Yeah, <laughs> just like Ultra Guys. Yeah. All right, so anyway, this album, Plague Monster, well, it's not an album, excuse me, it's an EP, uh, May 2020 this year, recorded by Michael LaFrench. That's what I saw on their Facebook there at um, Sweat Shop. Saskatoon, which okay. is a can- Saskatoon. Canadian- yeah, that's a Saskatchewan. Canadian- Saskatchewan. Yeah. yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah. I mean, it says tune. I don't know. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I, I don't know. Canada. Listen, it's in Canada, right? It is Canada. Yeah, okay. yeah. I got that much. For we sure. got a sweatshop studio in Brooklyn, so I, I was like, okay, all right, all right. We're out of New York City, though. The I've interview's been to that over. Studio, a couple yeah, times. Go ahead. Yeah, We're it's in cold up there. So uh, yeah, this is a pretty solid grind EP. Um, I like the wild dude vocal approach. Um, the songwriting seems to be. Um, it's got whiffs of old school New York death metal. Mm. I, I'm thinking like internal bleeding with some of the riffs that they introduce here, but without sounding like internal bleeding at all. Just on the on the guitar and like how are we gonna make this fucking heavy. Um, I don't think this is for fans of internal bleeding though. I think this is a different take on those kind of riffs. I think they're doing well, a cool job. With, it sounds Long Island, though, in a, in a way. Yeah. yeah, it's got the Long Island hardcore thing. It's got the Rochester sound to me. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yep. I, I would agree with the Rochester sound thing. And there's probably a crossover with Internal Bleeding fans because this has a very hardcore kind of vibe, mm-hmm. uh, but then it has those massive breakdowns. So there is, I, I could kind of see your, your comparison. Not that it sounds like Internal Bleeding or Pyrexia or somebody, but there's that kind of sonic element to the grooves yeah kudos to these dudes for putting together like writing some songs that you can't really pinpoint the influence because it's a spread of influence you can find some of these riffs in long island death metal and then the rochester like um hardcore more progressive kind of calabast style sound so yeah this is a a good ep Uh, and for that 
just give it the listen. Find the uneasiness that I found in it when I wasn't able to directly find where these riffs were coming from. Mm-hmm. Igmus is a one-man project from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I'm not bringing you guys high arts tonight. Sorry. We had enough art. Uh, I'm not bringing you the next wave of forward-thinking, <laughs> progressive tech, uh, tech dissonance, whatever. I, I purposely... Um, I went out of my way today. I wanted to find good old gore grind. I said, you know what, man? I, I want to tap the gore grind vein a little bit. And I went through a bunch of bands, checked out what's new, new releases. Um, I don't like the mixing of hentai with gore grind. I'll just come off the bat and say that. That was like five dozen releases right there that I didn't even listen to. Um, anime and hentai and gore grind, I'm too old for it. Sorry, guys. Uh, maybe it <laughs> makes sense to somebody else. Um, but... What made total sense to me and was a little refreshing was uh, this, um, if I say it correctly, Bor Borigmus from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a one-man project by a man who goes by the moniker Hell Smasher, um, which makes a lot of sense when you factor in how much this sounds a lot like first-wave black metal. Uh, you know, those old albums by the German thrash bands that we've talked about, Sodom, Destruction, Creator, um, and Bathory, Celtic Frost, you know, getting out of the German thrash realm, but still in the first wave black metal. You know, everybody knows first wave black metal. Check the Fenris video where he's writing it on the blackboard. But this um, project, it combines for me personally the best elements of one-man drum machine gore grind from the early into mid-90s before it became a wave with, with the element of the internet and the Fruity Loops drum programs and everything that came after. Um, <laughs> because seriously, I was listening Good to this. Good name drop right there. Yeah, the, the drum machine, well, that's where it started. Yeah. The drum machine sounds like a real, like when you just took a Boss whatever drum box and, you know, lined it into a four track. The drum machine reminds me of that sound that you got on the old catasexual urge motivation slough or you know adam and, and my old projects where we would do that it doesn't sound like a computerized like um uh plug-in for drums or something and the you know the guitar tone everything about this just reeks of that 90s uh, i don't know if this guy is actually doing analog four track but he's managing to capture that essence and something that adds to that is this particular release that i'm talking about um uh splatter movie madness he uses authentic samples from uh, old, obscure B-horror movies. Um, not, not documentaries that are very popular with people. Uh, and and um, uh, makes kind of like an atmosphere of this like nostalgic 80s horror movie vibe mixed with the first wave black metal kind of riffing style and um, mysticism, but with a solid gore grind uh, production bend. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's invoking so much. Um, in a way, what I just described would kind of um, maybe lean towards like the early Razorback Records releases, but this is something totally different. It's so raw, it's so gore grind, yet so first wave black metal in a way to me, very punk. Um, it's just perfect. And, you know, and like I said, not reinventing any wheels, but maybe blending certain elements in ways that you don't hear every day. 
Uh, but it's just such a perfect nostalgia trip for somebody like me who loves old, obscure, uh, kind of B-horror movies, weird horror movies from the 80s and 70s and that sort of thing. Uh, One-man drum machine gore grind from before it was a wave of any sort. And um, the first wave black metal, thrash, evil element, the metal of this. It's just, it's all perfect for me personally. And I'm sure maybe some of our listeners could appreciate this. Actually, not that it sounds exactly like it, but there's something in it, like in the soul of it, that reminds me a little bit of Ovary Rot, who we've covered on the podcast. Yeah. Shout out to Ovary Rot. So there, there's just something in that raw, bestial nature of it, man. So I definitely recommend there's a healthy band camp with a number of releases. It's a new project, only two or three years old, uh, from Wisconsin. Um, and if I said it right, the name of the band is uh, Bor Bor Igmus. And I'm personally recommending Splatter Movie Madness because I really feel the VHS horror movie aesthetic here. Uh, listen, we went. We took you on a thrill-packed ride uh, through the darker recesses of Gotham, no, of New York City. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet in my hipster journey. I can't say Gotham <laughs> of New York City. <laughs> Come on, they haven't given me a job at the New York Times yet. The mean streets of Williamsburg. Yeah. Um, whoa. Uh, come on, it's tough enough. I, I'm making a pledge. I'm not going to knock hipsters or um, the Brooklyn music scene anymore because mm-hmm. uh, there's too much going on. We'll get When things get back to normal, I'll start taking pot shots at all of the museum hipsters who think I'm illiterate for living on Long Island again. But until then, uh, thank you to our guests, Imperial Triumphant, man. We love you guys. We had a great mm-hmm. time. If I'm a, little, if I'm a little off the cuff, a little loose right now, it's because those guys were busting balls and we started cracking jokes, and that's why we're getting crazy right now. Um, I ruined everything at the end by bringing in a totally low-class B-horror movie gore grind band, but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad uh, you did it too, yeah, man. Shout out to them, uh, Wisconsin representing one-man gore grind with the true drum machine sound. Uh, fuck Fruity Loops, not for gore grind. Um, you guys did your thing with the recommendations. Uh, you both have electricity. Uh, again, as we speak, there's lightning and thunder. In Huntington, so we don't know what's going to happen. We have too much electricity now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might have to um, take over Patreon Pledge Harrison Clark's house uh, in our fine township next time the electricity's out. We're coming to you, tough guy, with the generator and the laptops (laughs) to edit the next episode. (laughs) No, seriously, shout out to him and shout out to all of our Patreon pledges who um, uh, worked in questions of theirs on our Patreon. If you want to go to our Patreon.com Heavy Hole Podcast uh, and see what it's all about, you can see where we post... Uh, the little sneak preview of what a guest might be once or twice a month, and you have the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, there's different tiers also with other different benefits. We're looking into that to try to give you more bonus content mm-hmm. um, and try to try to step it up a notch just for everybody who's uh, uh, pledging for us. Uh, if you're stepping up for us, we're going to try to step up for you. Uh, and if you just want to visit heavyholepodcast.com, do we even have stickers anymore? Or did they buy them all? Yeah, I got them. Actually, you know, since we're all sitting in this room right now, it's funny. They're over in that, that cubby right there. With the, you see the hand, the red hand they used to drink out of? Huh. So the stickers are over there. They're still around, but listen, you know, you know, the same way we're trying to step up for, uh, for our Patreon supporters, 
Uh, we're going to step up the merch game. Yeah. You know? It's time. Listen, Keels, allegedly, the lotion cup, allegedly, they just gave me some money. So we're going to get some fucking t-shirts going. I thought, you, I thought you said we were going to get lotion. We're gonna like, get, we, we're, <laughs> whoa. I'm going to get some lotion. Uh, single-use lotion packets. Um <laughs> Like that, Jesus Christ! Like they, they look take all the mystery out of it. Why do you need size a single of, lotion? Single the size use of ketchup packet. packets, but it's just single-use lotion for your oh, time. God, for all the lonely death metal guys out there. Jesus! <laughs> if uh, you know, we can only hope to be so lucky that one of these show up in your mailbox one day. Uh, save the post can office. Can we even mail lotion? Oh my God! But, uh, you can mail lotion. But yeah, I bring we're, up we're, one gore grind band, and we're in the toilet. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be looking into shirts. Um, you know. Fall weather's coming, so you'll know, be looking at some some toques, yeah, and uh, you know maybe some. I don't know, Will. If you're a full hipster, then we got some scarves. Maybe, I was I thinking know. mock turtlenecks. Oh, okay, yeah. We just get the yeah. embroidered. You can turtle. wear that underneath your your death metal T-shirt. Yeah, mm. we, yeah. we might get some. Uh, you know, I don't know, co-branding with Chomsky, and you get it for, exactly. So yeah, this guys, these guys are drinking whiskey out of like little glasses now. With, yeah, we're drinking a nice whiskey. Frosted because emblems <laughs> on the glass, like we didn't talk. What is this? Uh, Nassau Country Club. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we didn't talk about it before, but a uh, uh, quick Mazel Tov to Justin. He's engaged now. So yeah, uh, shout to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shout to you in Arizona. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah. yeah, sorry all you uh, heavy hold men out there. I am taken. Oh boy. <laughs> well, uh, I'm off the market now. Uh, yeah, got engaged to my girlfriend of, of 10 years, so... Oh, boy. Uh, here well, we go. We'll have to get you another microphone. Yeah. Here's to at least 10 more. You've been together, like, almost as long as Imperial Triumph has been a band. It's very true. Yeah. yeah yes. Very true. We spent some time living in the city uh, separately. Uh, I have a funny story where I, I visited her apartment when I was skateboarding in Union Square while she was dating somebody that, who I was skateboarding with, and uh, she was very mean to me. She was very curt. Is, is and, this the uh, movie Kids? Were you in the... I've never seen that movie. Okay, I I don't know. There's skateboards. There's young relationship issues. You just brought me back. The point of the story is, we're gonna get some heavy hole shirts or hats to you soon. Yes, and, uh, and you know what it is. And you don't have to just go to Justin's wedding. This it's not gonna be like a party favor on the table. No, but you, you, Justin's wife is gonna throw out one heavy hole long sleeve. I will. And the next person who catches it has to marry me. Thousand dollar tier can get. I up am on gonna that. have oh, to. I am gonna God. have to send the email out to Imperial Triumphant. Maybe you guys want to play the wedding. Oh boy. Mm. Yeah. Classic. They have to get their formal Jim. masks. Break. Yes. No. Eh. We'll, we all just have to wear masks. It's all. <laughs> yeah. Can anyway, I, can I wear pajama pants to your wedding, Justin? Yes. If I'm invited. <laughs> <laughs> well, heavy uh, hole, heavy everybody in the I'll heavy be, hole I'll, is I'll invited. Be, I'll be recording a bonus episode out in the shrubs outside of the place. Hey, we might set a, a <laughs> we might set a, a a Patreon level where you know you contribute this much to the podcast, you can come to the wedding. Yeah, you yeah. can join me and Will fishing for porgies in spring 2022 out in the backyard. Uh, All right, so pretty much, guys, you follow me. It's heavyholepodcast.com. Uh, slash shop to get your sticker packs. There might be one or two left. Uh, you like to send them to Australia, maybe to Russia. I don't know. Brighten that place up. Wherever you but want. We're gonna get uh, keep, uh, keep an eye on the social media. We're gonna post some new merchandise soon. Very thank you very much. Uh, stay warm. Thank you, Shane. You know how many times I want to wish rest in peace to Jam Master Jay. I'm gonna add Kamala the Uganda Giant. Mm-hmm. That's that's one time. One.